Malagayang Pagdating, Baruch Habo. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Karma Sense Foodcast. I'm Davy H., and this is a very special episode. It's a very special episode because my friend Willie said it's a very special episode. And Willie gets the right to name it because he's at least partially to blame for me starting a podcast to begin with. He's also a mutual friend of today's guest, Larry Osman, a.k.a. Oz, former corporate suit at Nabisco and current food entrepreneur at Uncle Larry Schlumpia. Larry and I go way back, back even further than we go with Willie. For the youngsters in the audience, Willie came up with a very special episode because that tagline was a common device for the TV shows we used to watch back when TV was really bad. If an episode was very special, it meant some character learned something really important because one of the other characters died, became pregnant, had his or her first sexual experience, or came out of the closet. Oz and I will be doing none of those things. Not that there's anything wrong with them, which is a solid reference to the show Seinfeld that never had a very special episode because it was about nothing and no one ever learned anything. But you'll learn stuff if you listen. You'll learn something about the culture in a big food company. You'll learn about another guy, besides me, going through a midlife crisis that he channels into an idealistic notion revolving around food. For Oz, that notion is Schlumpia. You'll also learn what Schlumpia is. But first, a very special rant. In this very special episode, even the rant's special, because it's different from my previous rants. It's not about some absurdity built into America's food system. It's a proposal based on my rant from episode 7. That rant was about the farce of National Food Days. If you haven't heard it, you may want to go back to episode 7, because I'm kind of proud of what I said there. But, farce or not, I want a piece of the action. So I intend to apply some degree of my future energy to declaring May 24th is National Schlumpia Day. May 24th, because that's when my friend Oz got his trademark for the term Schlumpia. I'm not kidding. At this point, I've learned enough about the process where I'm going to give it a go. It's the least I can do for a friend. Some may say such an exercise is a fool's errand. Well, ever since I quit my day job, I've gotten really good at running errands. In the coming weeks, I expect to report back on my progress. There may come a time I ask you for support, and I hope you'll join me in this endeavor. In the meantime, here's the proclamation I propose. A proclamation whereby micro-businesses of 20 employees or less are the backbone of the American economy and represent 90% of American firms, whereby food entrepreneurship is a growing piece of that small business economy, whereby food also represents a unique way for America to express its diverse culture, the very diversity of that culture being encapsulated in the food metaphor, melting pot, whereby America's Jewish and Filipino citizens have a long history of patriotism and contribution to this country, whereby Schlumpia is a tasty fusion of Jewish and Filipino culture and is brought to you by a small business that is the very backbone of the American economy, I, Alfred E. Newman, or whoever is president in 2017, hereby proclaim May 24th, 2017, and May 24th in perpetuity, National Schlumpia Day. Today's guest is Larry Osman. I've known Nas since we were five. We lived on the same street and met in kindergarten. We went to the same schools until we graduated high school. 
We also carpooled to Hebrew school together twice a week. We were both involved in many of the same activities. We were cub reporters for our third friend's underground newspaper and co-delegates in the Model UN. These two activities become relevant in a way that we may cover in a future episode. Eventually, Oz and I went our separate ways in college, but we still followed a similar path. Both did what every Jewish son was supposed to do, studied pre-med. Both realized early on that 10 plus years of pursuing a rigorous education was not for us. Neither opted for the second or third jobs Jewish boys were supposed to get, that is, lawyer or accountant. Instead, we discovered a new field at the time, computer science, and found our ways into the corporate world. We join our conversation, picking things up from that point. So what did you do with your computer science degree? Well, I got a job uh, at a telecommunications company up in Teaneck, New Jersey, and I had this boss that was a bizarre character. He was very smart. He weighed in excess of 300 pounds. Uh, he was legally blind and a bit of a slob, and we went out every day for some exotic food. Korean, Japanese, Afghani, uh, all sorts of amazing uh, uh, food dishes. And, and I loved the job. I became a D-Base 3 expert. And then the company wasn't doing so well. And my boss was nice enough to say, you might want to look somewhere else. And I did. And I got a job at Nabisco. And most of it was because they, they made Malamars, and I wanted to at least go somewhere where I could get some free Malamars. And I loved my job there, and I stayed for over 30 years at Nabisco. It started off as Nabisco, and it migrated from time to time? Yeah, it was uh, Nabisco, and when I got there, Nabisco uh, and Standard Brands kind of just formed together. So people were asking, you know, what's... Where are you from? And I, I just started last week, so I don't really have a side. But then soon after that, we were bought by uh, the leveraged buyout with KKR and then RJR. We were RJR Nabisco. Then we were ourselves for a small bit of time. And then Philip Morris bought us. We got folded into Kraft Foods. And then Kraft Foods separated into uh, Mondelez as the global um snacking company and that's that's where I ended up so uh, although I was with the same job for over 30 years uh, the company switched a number of times but we always had Oreos, Malamars, Chips Ahoy and a whole bunch of other products. And you have a, a special uh, partial kinship with Mr. Peanut I believe. Yeah when I started at Nabisco I was in the planters and lifesavers division of MIS and a few months after that after I was there, I went to some collectible show that my wife, Robin, dragged me to. And she said, oh, could we collect some cute character like Mr. Bubble or, or Mr. Peanut? I said, yeah, let's do Mr. Peanut because I knew I, I might have had some of those things somewhere around the house. And I got really into it, so into it that my wife was pretty upset every day when a new eBay uh, package would come. Uh, at when I had branched out a bit and had a, the Charlie the Tuna lamp that smelled like someone's ashtray came in the mail and and I, I was told we, we better stop that. But yes, I have an entire Mr. Peanut collection and when we uh, take a walk later, you'll, you'll see some of the uh, amazing uh, elements in it. 
Well, it's good that you found a focus. I mean, you really don't want to diversify into Charlie Tuna or or anything like that. So it's great to have a focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you need to you need to concentrate because uh, you could be all over the place. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I know that the leprechaun from Lucky Charms doesn't fit into that, but you don't want him intermixing with your. Or peanuts. do I? That might yeah. be a that might be good. It's a good mashup. It's a good mashup. So you were in the planters division, as opposed to what other divisions were? Well, the, the, the big division was biscuit, and that was where all the cookies and crackers were made. I was more on the planters and lifesaver side. We had Charleston Chews, Chuckles, Junior Mints, Baby Ruth and Butterfinger. Oh, nice. That, that was great. I would, I would go to the uh, Baby Ruth and Butterfinger plant outside of Chicago, and you'd, you'd come back with a big box full of free samples and um, I'd give them out to people on the plane or at the airport and it was very nice uh, Lifesavers of course were, were a big hit right. So you moved into this because of your affinity towards Malamars but you kind of had to look from afar not being in the biscuit division where I assume Malamars Right, right. I, I could only uh, you know see Malamars at, at our company store which I visited daily and, uh, and I brought home Malamars for, uh, for the family for holidays all that time in, in corporate MIS for Nabisco, and I know at some point as the World Wide Web was starting to gain some traction, your main focus in there uh, started to move towards supporting marketing organizations. Right. Started in um, Planters and Lifesavers, and then moved to sales and distribution, all within IS, and then, uh, and then marketing, and it all, all kind of came together when the internet was just uh, starting mm-hmm. And we had started Nabisco.com. This is back in 96. So it was, we were kind of pioneers before, uh, before it got real big. But we worked quite a bit with marketing uh, all around our consumer websites. Is that still an IT organization? Yeah, when it started, uh, we were just a, a group in IT. And once it became big and popular, that's when uh, the marketing folks came in and get more heavily involved. But we, we met with all the, uh, the top internet companies of the day, um, and we were driving people to our recipe websites. We had a big gaming website, uh, and we, we had a, a lot of very high-traffic uh, consumer websites. So it was, it was a real fun time. So people were playing Nabisco games. What was a Nabisco game? We had uh, Candy Stand was a big website for all sorts of games to support our Lifesavers products. Okay. And then we had a, uh, a Nabisco Recipes website. So we would cross-market each of them. We had a corporate site. Every brand wanted their own website. Knox Nutrijoint really thought that they would need their own website for the uh, Nutrijoint people out there, as well as every other little, group, little brand like Red Oval Farms Crackers, Triscuit, and the list goes on. We had hundreds of websites Okay. Was there a, a Knox Nutrijoint game too? There really wasn't. They uh, they just didn't seem to have a sense of humor for that type of stuff, and uh, and they thought it might offend the uh, thirty people that visited their site a year. Did you have meetings, specific meetings on on building content? Well, they might have had some specific meetings on that, but usually our real involvement with marketing came in on a holiday weekend at around a quarter to five when. Uh, some new uh, marketing person would come to your desk and say, 
you are aware that this promotion is going live at midnight. Uh, no, when did you guys decide that? We just decided it. It has to happen. Well, we have standards and a policy and procedures. Well, I'll go back and get our, our senior VP to let you know how important this is. And that, that was usually our, our involvement with the marketing folks. But we did, uh, in, in the pioneer days, it was, it was a lot more fun where we had the ideas and we would just do it uh, before we were on the radar of, of marketing. You guys were up on the forefront because marketing had no idea what this World Wide Web Exactly. Was. They were yeah. looking more at, at the syndicated data of uh, what type of age group is eating uh, uh, wheat thins on uh, Saturday afternoons. And they had access to that data even even uh, way back then. Oh yeah, they were uh, they were very big as soon as the numbers came out for the salty and crunchy snack uh, demographics, and they uh, they were eager to, uh, to 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 go through that while we were uh, under the radar working on uh, on our newest website uh, promotions. And they were not quite advanced enough to understand that you two would be able to collect some probably very targeted data. That could be applied for future marketing. Exactly. We, we did things that might have been a little outside the standard marketing practices. We had a, uh, a collectible website for Nabisco products because so many people would love to have a catalog of just Nabisco collectible products. We had things like a uh, Fig Newton barrel or an Oreo Halloween costume or a Ritz uh, box. And what we did was uh, we wrote down everyone's name who, uh, who was Ritz. So we did our own marketing to people named Ritz. And we found out that they were way more apt to buy a Ritz box than someone named Smith. Uh -huh. And uh, we went to marketing with, these, with our findings. And that's, that's when they started taking over the, uh, the, the role. <laughs> I think our, our um, Ritz mock apple pie recipe banner uh, was, was also a driving effort in that. We had a, a very popular recipe, a mock apple pie. It was an apple pie that tasted like apple pie. It used Ritz crackers as the main ingredient, yet it had no apples in it. So we made a nice banner that said, love apple pie but hate apples. Try Ritz mock apple pie. And uh, a few months after that was in uh, syndication on all of our websites, uh, marketing definitely played a, a more involved role. They didn't appreciate your, your take on the mock apple pie? Uh, well, I, th I think, uh, you know, in our mind, I think they saw the uh, genius in it <laughs> and decided that they could do even even you know, even more of, of this cutting technology and, and marketing. So do you remember what went into a mock apple pie that gave it its appleiness? Well, besides the, the Ritz crackers, there was cinnamon and sugar, all the apple pie spices that make for a good apple pie. And, you know, a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top of this mock apple pie. With, it was tough to tell the difference. So this is really the forerunner of today's trend of the pumpkin spice flavored everything, which has no pumpkin in it. Exactly, exactly. Let's uh, fast forward to some point. Once again, our lives parallel. We decided that we're going to give corporate America goodbye and, and 
hang out on our own plank and see if we can make a go of business of our own. Mostly focused on food, but uh, your focus went from being part of a big machine to being part of your own one-man band. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, so now I am making uh, Filipino spring rolls, uh, which are lumpia, and I fill them with Jewish-inspired fillings, hence the name Schlumpia. So uh, my business is Uncle Larry Schlumpia, and I do uh, catering, corporate events, and it's all around uh, a, a number of varieties of Schlumpia that you can have for your, for your parties, for your meals, and it, it's really, I'm really interested in a, a high-end product that uh, uses the best ingredients that basically uh, takes you back to a New York Jewish deli, but in a Filipino spring roll. So uh, the Filipino Jewish fusion market is in its, its infancy, and this might be the only product in that market, but I'm just waiting for those marketing folks to uh, hear about it and, and, and carry it away. Swoop in. Exactly. Swoop in. What inspired you to come up with a Filipino and Jewish mashup? It was back in my days at college in pre-med, and th this might be the only uh, valuable thing I did learn in my, uh, in my entry to bio and chemistry, but I had a friend, uh, Nito, in my uh, calculus class and in a number of my other classes, and um, he's a Filipino guy. And I went over to his house, and we became good friends playing tennis. I was invited to a lot of parties at their house, and they had amazing food. And his mom was having me taste everything. Uh, pancit, adobo, guan, which was blood pudding. That was a little gross, but lumpia was, was my favorite. And they were just crispy, delicate spring rolls, not like a big, thick egg roll. And they had a great dipping sauce, and she taught me um, how to make them. And I was making them for years, and I guess I stumbled across uh, Schlumpia when we were having relatives over for some Jewish holiday, and the traditional pork and beef and vegetable uh, Lumpia wouldn't cut it, so I filled some Lumpia wrappers with potato-onion mixture, like a knish, and kasha, and uh, it was a big hit. So I was making these for years, and uh, it wasn't again until it was time for me to exit corporate America that I said, huh, let's do something with these schlumpia. And the rest is history. So the rest I, is history. And, and kasha is basically just buckwheat. Yeah, it, it became, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty unknown grain uh, until uh, there was an episode on Seinfeld where, where George tried to... Uh, pass off his parents' house as his house, and he brought a girl back there, and she said, smells like kasha in here. And, uh, you know, ever since then, people are, are always looking to taste my kasha varnishka schlumpia, which is a Yiddish uh, dish made of kasha, these buckwheat groats, caramelized onions, and bow tie pasta. I don't know where this combo came together, but it now has its own schlumpia. And for people who don't know, haven't had the experience of uh, 
kasha and the smell it has kind of that dank musty closet smell i think but uh they sure do taste good yeah yeah it's a it's a very appetizing uh musty type smell right so what other varieties of schlumpia exist i'm glad you asked that question dave <laughs> we have potato onion which which might have been the first one we ever made we have pastrami reuben brisket lox eggs and onions uh, we even have a dessert, schlumpia, apple strudel, and uh, and many more in the in the works. Have you ever considered making a mock apple schlumpia for people who love schlumpia but don't like apples? I really can't talk about that now because I am talking with some of the uh, R&D folks uh, at Nabisco. Uh, I, I really can't say too much on this, but... Let's just say that you, like the American public, I'm sure would welcome an apple strudel schlumpia for those people that hate apples. Uh, it might be a, a great schlumpia um, and, 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 and really a great way to sell more Ritz crackers. At this point, Larry, I'm wondering, is there anything else that you want to bring up and tell us about the schlumpia process and business? Well, I think, the, uh, I, I think a few of the things I've really learned... Uh, along the way is uh, is just what really goes into a food business so you have to you have to get your recipes really uh, down pat and I, I I've been cooking for years but never really used recipes just kind of taste things and go along the way but when you're producing something you really want to have it consistent you need to know what's in it so uh, one thing was finalizing and tweaking the recipes the other is what ingredients you want to use. And um, some people in the food business had told me, well, you're, you're buying apples that are organic at Wegmans, and uh, that's very pricey. So you might want to buy individually quick frozen apples that would taste great in your apple strudel schlumpia. And when I looked at those packages, they had preservatives in them. They had some things that I... I wasn't just happy uh, about using, so uh, no, I'm I'm very strict with what I what I put, what what food goes into my schlumpy, and it's all uh, good food, no fillers, preservatives, and uh, I feel like uh, just like the food I buy, you want to buy uh, the best quality and and things that uh, that taste the best. So that that's what it's all about. Okay, and if people want to learn more about uh, Uncle Larry's Schlumpias, what should they be doing? Well, I guess the first thing to do is is go to schlumpia.com. S-C-H-L-U-M-P-I-A. I'm amazed that you were able to get that domain. I'm totally amazed that that was not taken already. Well, the funny thing about it is uh, I got the domain, and then when I got, uh, and I, I was very happy, and then when I got the confirmation email, I realized I spelled schlumpia wrong. I spelled it S-H-L-U-M-P-I-A. So then I did get the uh, correct spelling, and now the I kept the other one, and it points to it. And we use this, uh, we use this at Nabisco. Uh, if you type Nabisco really fast and you know how to touch type, it's very easy to spell it as Nabsico. So we had Nabsico.com that would point to Nabisco. And just like that with schlumpia, I... Uh, I'm working now uh, raising funding to get every uh, possible permutation of the spelling of the letters in Schlumpia uh, so that all traffic uh, resolves right to 
schlumpia.com. Well, that's a very shrewd move as well. It's not only because of people doing typos, but it's not uncommon for those misspellings to be co-opted by porno sites. And the last thing you want is something as a brand as wholesome as schlumpia.com, S-C-H-L-U-M-P-I-A.com, to be brought into a porno site. At this point, our conversation deteriorated into the immature banter we'd have when we were 12. I'll spare you the details, but needless to say, cocktail wiener schlimpia can be the source of endless hijinks. If you really care, you'll just have to wait until the outtake reel is released. But we'll rejoin our conversation in a moment. So as we both love the fact that we're now our own boss, waking up each morning and embracing the day, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you are, are, are you enjoying that? Uh, waking up and embracing the day. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> the big difference is uh, that alarm used to go off and it was like, oh, no. Now the alarm goes off and it's great because my wife gets up pretty early to go to work and, and I'm all excited to do another day uh, with Uncle Larry Schlumpia. And I also feel like a kid at the end of the night, like, oh, I don't want to go to sleep. There's so much more stuff I have to do. And it's, it's amazing how when you're working for yourself or something you're really passionate about, it's, it's just so exciting. So um, I'm, I'm very motivated. I don't need someone giving me a pep talk or saying these are our plans for the year. It's just uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about it 24-7. I even dream schlumpia. And, um, and it's just very fulfilling. I, I think maybe my family might be sick of me uh, talking about it all the time. But I just did not experience any of the, uh, of the things that people talk about when you leave your corporate job. What are you going to do? Do you miss it? You know, I really haven't looked back, and I, I do miss the friends and the friendships, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just loving this experience. I'm learning so much every day, and it's, it's very fulfilling. So I definitely can relate. I was the guy who at work would ironically, when we would have a Monday 9 o'clock conference call, check in with TGIM. And now I really feel that way. Thank God it's Monday. I, I love Mondays. I love doing the work. I actually got into a bit of trouble with the family because um, I, I said to my wife and daughter when we were having dinner one night, it used to be TGIF, but now I don't think that way. I say TGIS because on Sunday night, when you used to get that little slight pain in your stomach knowing that you had to go to work the next day now i'm all happy because my wife's going to go to work and my daughter's going to go to school and it's my time to uh do my schlumpia stuff and and really uh enjoy the week and um my daughter gave me a dirty look and my wife said so you just can't wait for the weekend where you and i are together to be over with for monday to occur so I, I need to refine that a bit, but uh, the, the feeling is kind of there. I have to say, I was shrewd enough to never say that at Lyle, Larry. So. But certainly there's aspects of uh, your new life you wish wasn't going on or that could be going better or something like that. What, what might those be? Well, every two weeks I used to have this auto-deposited paycheck in my bank account, and uh, that seems to have coincidentally stopped when I took uh, early retirement, but 
uh, again, there's there's trade-offs. So yeah, I might not be having that corporate paycheck, but uh, the happiness I'm getting out of this more than makes up for it. And of course, it helps that my wife is working. Yeah, I mean, how do we get to be Milton from Office Space, the guy with the red stapler who they kept paying even though he was fired years ago? What else might annoy you about your new life? I'm not thrilled when uh, we go out with people and uh, they say, Hey, Mr. Retiree, how's everything going? You watching a lot of TV? I worked really hard today. You know, what, what, what I do try and tell them without, without getting all angry is that I've never worked harder. So I really don't see myself as retired. I see myself in a, uh, in a whole new role. And it just so happens that, yes, I took a retirement package to get here, but um, I, I, I do in a way resent when people say, uh, ah, you're retired, that must be nice. So to my friends, are you hearing what Oz just said? Because I'm telling you, ditto. Stop. Oh, so after this interview, can we play shuffleboard? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And some dinner specials at three? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Denny's. Whose birthday do you want it to be? <laughs> I've got a coupon. Okay, Larry, well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to being able to try some Schlimpia. Terrific. Thanks, okay. Dave. Larry and I are going to go back to the Schlimpia vault where... Larry keeps the already prepared schlumpia that are ready for sale and distribution, right? Exactly. I guess it's good we hit on uh, Mr. Peanut before because the vault is contained uh, in the room next to where all the Mr. Peanut stuff is uh, proudly displayed. Yes, we are in uh, the home of planters here. Oh, here's the, uh, there's the Charlie the Tuna thing that I spoke about. And it smelled like an ashtray. Which would be worse, smelling like an ashtray or smelling like tuna? Probably the mashup of both would be the worst. So we are walking into uh, a garage because at this point you're operating this business out of your home. Yeah, and I, I actually thought Mike Marin was going to be interviewing me in this garage, but... Uh, All right, I, I give, who's Mike Marin? Oh, it's Mark Marin. Who's he? <laughs> he does a whole bunch of podcasts from his garage. Had a oh, okay, no, show. okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would love his show. Yeah, I've heard. I, I, now that I think of it, I've heard of him. I think I heard him referenced on. But he, too. but he sits uh, in his garage, opens the door, and the celebrity walks in, and you know we could do that and, and sit in kayaks here and, and have our discussion. That's great. This is the the freezer where you are keeping your schlumpia. Was this specially acquired for schlumpia storage? Uh, yeah, definitely. We ran out of room in our uh, regular freezer, and my daughter would get a want to get a, an ice cream popsicle, and all the schlumpia were in there, and it, it, this brought a lot more peace to the family. So that's a lot of schlumpia, and that's all the different varieties in here. Yeah, we have uh, we have potato onion, we have uh, cocktail franks, we have. Lox eggs and onions. Oh, that, Maybe we'll make some of those. Yeah, I'm in the mood for brunch. Um, you can see we have our schlumpia wrappers here. Okay. What about the dipping sauces? The dipping sauces are an important component of the schlumpia. Are those made to, to order? Are they stored somewhere else? Or? They're, um, they're, they're uh, 
generally made to order. There, there's some dipping sauces on the bottom of, uh, of this freezer, but most of those are made fresh uh, when, when we have an actual catering event. Okay. And with our heat to eat products, we suggest dipping sauces that are easily uh, uh, acquired at home. Oh, elsewhere. So, okay. What would the typical uh, dipping sauce be with a, a lox and egg schlumpia? What would you use? What we recommend for our lox, eggs, and onion schlumpia is uh, we'll get some uh, cream cheese, some Greek yogurt, and you could, you could just get veggie cream cheese at your local bagel place, and you mix enough Greek yogurt in there so it becomes uh, soft enough to dip, and then you can dip your dip or, or put the sauce right on your schlumpia so it, it kind of is very much like bagels and lox and cream cheese so so that's a that's a good dipping sauce for it okay yeah that makes perfect sense and are the are those sorts of ideas something too that just come out of your own creativity does it require some research it's all a uh, combination of uh, what you think goes well with it what's on menus what are traditional ones and then you know what what would you try that would uh, make this taste better or complement it best. And I've had a lot of schlumpia tasting events where you get ideas from people, people in the food community, just just anyone, friends, and, and I listen to what everyone says and, and try things and, and see what's better. Like with my apple strudel schlumpia, it used to be just some powdered sugar on top of them. And then someone had suggested a salted caramel sauce and that that was a big hit. So a pre-made schlumpia, what are, what are the cooking instructions for it? What are we about to do here? The schlumpia that, are, uh, that you're able to heat up in your own uh, house, uh, they come uh, fully cooked and frozen. And all you have to do is preheat your oven to 350, uh, put them on a cookie sheet, and cook them for you know, about 20 minutes, depending on, on the variety. If we... Uh, go uh, back in re reverse the process of actually making them and preparing them for uh, freezing. You're taking your, uh, without divulging any secret recipes, uh, you're taking the uh, schlumpia wrappers right? and the filling is prepared. Yeah, so, uh, you know, here in New Jersey, um, if you're selling food to the public, you have to be in a commercial kitchen. So we rent a commercial uh, kitchen and we go there with all of our ingredients and our uh, pots and pans and all of our kitchen tools. And the first thing is to make the filling. So if it's something like our brisket schlumpia, uh, you know, that's something that we have to cook and prepare and it might take four and a half hours to cook it and you have to let it cool. Then you have to uh, slice it and chop it and add any other uh, um, elements. But whatever it is, you, we go when we first make the filling. So if it's uh, potato onion, we'll caramelize the onions, we'll mash the potatoes. We mix it all together, let it cool. When it's cool, then we'll take out our lumpia wrappers, which uh, we get in our local Asian food store, grocery store. And um, you just fill the, uh, the schlumpia, roll them up, and then what we do is we freeze them. And that just makes sure that they, uh, they stay together. And then 
once they're frozen, we then um, fry them in uh, canola oil. And what you're really looking to do there is just get a little bit of crispiness and some color to them. Uh, we drain them and we put them right back in the freezer. And once they're, they're frozen, we vacuum seal them so they're fresh whenever uh, you're going to put it in your own uh, your own freezer and, uh, and heat up shlumpia. And you already described somewhat, you, you go through a fairly meticulous process in getting your ingredients for your shlumpia. Yeah, it's, uh, we, you know, we really want to have uh, ingredients that we're proud of, that are wholesome, uh, that, that, that are the best, uh, that, that really give the best flavor. So uh, some things are counterintuitive. Uh, with our lox, eggs, and onion schlumpia, at first we, uh, we bought the best uh, hand-sliced lox that we could get. And we put big chunks in it. And we realized that, wow, it didn't have that much lox flavor, and it was extremely expensive. So one, one schlumpia, we might have to charge $12 for one, and, and that wasn't going to work. Um, and then we learned that lox is one of those uh, ingredients or foods that uh, the smaller it is, the more flavor it is. So now we, uh, we, we will buy lox and actually chop it up very fine, and, and you can use a lot less lox in a shlumpia and have more of the lox taste. So there, there, there's so much you, you learn about what ingredients. The, the other thing is with our brisket, you would think, um, or, or even the pastrami, you would think that the, the leaner pastrami would be uh, the best, but it's actually the worst because it just doesn't taste good. So you, you do want to use uh, uh, pastrami that that has a lot of fat, but again, a lot of it um, gives to the flavor. So you might not want to eat uh, 50 of those, but for the one or two that you eat, it's gonna taste great. And that's what we really care about, is, is bringing something that's a good value, um, but most of all, that it, that it tastes great. How many iterations of, for example, the locks did you have to go through as far as a recipe before you locked into one that you were happy with? Many of them, and each one was really to make something taste better or to fix a problem. When I first, I, I've always made lox, eggs, and onions, and, uh, and I thought I knew exactly how to make it, and it was great. But when I tried it with 36 eggs, for some reason, after it all cooled, it turned green. And it's like, what is going on? And I, I researched it using, using Google. And you realize if you're cooking eggs at a high heat for a long period of time, they have the tendency to turn green. And it's a, re it's a chemical reaction. There's nothing wrong with it. But I really didn't want people to bite into lox, eggs, onion, schlumpia and see what looks to be a uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, goof uh, schlumpia. So now I cook my eggs in an oven and um, at a very slow heat. And, uh, and, and, and they become a lot fluffier. Um, they retain their, their nice yellow color. So you learn things. And, and you talked about the chemical reaction of eggs. Are you now really feeling bad that you didn't pay more attention in chemistry in college? 
Um, yeah, I don't know if that that might have been on on uh, on the syllabus, but uh, I, I couldn't really get past uh, you know balancing a chemical equation. So I don't know if the uh, the egg uh, the egg paradox is uh, it w was in there. I don't think I lasted that long. <laughs> How many schlumpia do you think you want to try, Dave? I think two is fine. Uh, looking at the at the size, I think two is fine. So I have four on here, so I'll put two on there for you. <laughs> One thing uh, we do recommend is just a little squirt of pan. And then, and then another thing that was uh, that, that's interesting is just all the food safety. So in order to sell food or make food in New Jersey, you have to be uh, certified and take a number of uh, classes and pass a test in food safety. So uh, there, there was a lot there that, that I learned. You're responsible for all aspects of the business of Schlumpia. Your R&D, your, your operations, your production, you're also sales and, and marketing. So what's the process like for actually figuring out how to deliver Schlumpia so you can have a, a decent enough margin, but still make sure that uh, it's a product that you're not selling $12 locks and egg schlumpia. Yeah, that, that, that's a real important thing and not something I focused on in the beginning. It was just, uh, what can we do to get the taste the best and what should we charge for them? Oh, what would you pay? I got a lot of assistance from our local small business community. I've had 30 meetings with uh, a coach with, on all different aspects. It's all free. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you learn so much from it. But to answer your question, uh, what you really need to do is, is understand what do your ingredients cost? What does it cost? So, so, so I had to put together these uh, very involved spreadsheets and I had to buy a, uh, a nice kitchen scale. I have to weigh all my ingredients, know what it costs. So if you're using lemon juice, you're paying for the whole lemon. So you need to know what that costs, but also the weight of what is the lemon juice without the pits and the peel, because that goes into your nutritional analysis. All, all this kind of lets you know uh, what it is you're really paying. How much does your commercial kitchen rental cost? When you pay people to help you in the kitchen, uh, factor that all in. Factor in your insurance, your marketing. So you know, you have a real good idea of what it is that you're paying uh, to produce a schlumpia. Because many, many food businesses or even restaurants fail because they just make stuff and sell it and say, oh yeah, I'm doing great, I'm selling 50 a week. But at the end of the year, they realize they've, they've lost thousands. We, we make sure that, you know, we're, we're making something on a schlumpia, but also providing value and, and a great product. So it's, it's, it's really important to know that. And, and that's, that's helped so much. It was, it was a big effort, but I was able to, to use my, uh, my wasting computer science skills to, uh, to a good use. And I'm back with uh, lots of Excel spreadsheets, but it's 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 amazing. I, I what what's what's what I also learned was that you would think, wow, this is fried food that's got to have a lot of grease, a lot of oil. But the interesting thing is, uh, you weigh. I, I've weighed schlumpia before they're fried, 
and then I weigh them after, and a very small amount of oil is absorbed into the schlumpia. It's, it's single digits of grams. It might be two grams of oil in a, in a schlumpia, which, which is, you know, it gives it so much flavor and texture, but uh, it doesn't soak in like if you're uh, frying eggplant, for example, and it's a big sponge. So all, all these things you learn. We are about to dig into the schlumpia, and we use our hands to you use hands to eat a schlumpia. Yeah, you know it's it's not like the Snickers in Seinfeld, another Seinfeld reference, uh, where you cut it with a knife and fork. But but it, but you might because these these are hot and these are you know big enough to be a meal. So it's personal preference. And take a bite. Mm. As soon as I bit. So first of all, it's, it's nice and crispy. But second of all, I could, the, the locks burst out as soon as my teeth broke the, the uh, skin. So it's very nice. No, and, and again, I'm only six months from leaving Nabisco, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to them. They're making Oreos, watermelon Oreos, Swedish fish. I, I would think locks is, is probably, uh, if they haven't thought of it already, uh, it should be very high on their list. Yeah, let me put it to you this way. I'm a lot more likely to eat a lox Oreo than a Swedish fish one. <laughs> no, this is delicious. Ah, well, thanks, Dave. And you can even see, um, you know, the, the smaller you make the lox, the more you see in the schlumpia. Right now you're doing a, a uh, catering business with your schlumpia. What's the future of the world of schlumpia and Uncle Larry? The future is, really what I'm doing is I'm not... I'm open to everything. So there, there are some things that I'll be doing myself right now, and that's starting off with catering, getting people to taste them, uh, maybe doing some pop-up restaurants where I would take over a restaurant uh, one night and serve uh, a flight of schlumpia. So they might be uh, some, some new ones, some fancy ones, uh, seasonal ones. I've even taken um, some of the lumpia wrappers and fry them with cannoli spacers so you get a hollow schlumpia and then you can fill it with something that's cold. So you could pipe in, let's say, chopped liver. So um, again, uh, I'm, I'm going to work on things like that, but in the future, uh, I don't want to say no to anything yet. So it could very much lend itself to be a food truck. Uh, item or a, a small restaurant in a big city. I'm just one person. I'm I'm open to uh, getting ideas from people, working with, partnering with others, licensing investors, whatever it is. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this wave and and see what happens. What well, one thing I'm um, I'm exploring is uh, having schlumpia as a holiday gift because people a lot of people are looking for that really uh, special, unique gift for their foodie friend that um, they haven't heard of yet. To ship them, I'll need uh, a styrofoam, uh, you know, disposable cooler and dry ice, but it, it can easily be done. So um, that might be something that, that we look at. A lot of people ask me if we're gonna get into Whole Foods or Wegmans or Trader Joe's and that just reminds me way too much of my job, dealing with SKUs and pallets and all that. 
So I'm not against it. I just don't think I want to be the guy that's uh, spearheading that. Uh, but again, if there was a, a partner that wants to pursue that, it, it, it would be a, uh, a nice addition to see that in your in your grocer's frozen food case. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was uh, delicious, Oz. It's been a long time since I've had uh, lox and eggs of any sort, but inside of a schlumpia was tops. So thanks again. Thanks for uh, opening up to us and telling us about your backstory and what led you into the schlumpia business. Well, thanks so much, Dave. That was, that was a lot of fun. And yeah, your listeners can go to uh, schlumpia.com to learn more. And if anyone wants to have a... Uh, a pop-up Schlumpia event at their restaurant, hit me up. Okay, and we'll have links to schlumpia.com on the uh, show notes. And I fully suggest you sign up for Uncle Larry's newsletter. It's full of goofy jokes, and and uh, that's what makes it great, besides all the good Schlumpia news. Thanks, Oz. Okay, thank you. And so ends Episode 9 of The Foodcast. I want to thank Larry for hosting me at Schlumpia World Headquarters. Please support America's food entrepreneurs, and specifically, Uncle Larry Schlumpia. There's a link to his site in the show notes. I hope you'll support me in my efforts to elevate Schlumpia into the national treasure that it is. You'll have opportunities to help along the way. They'll range from your typical slacktivist action of clicking a thumbs up on a social media page, to writing your representatives in government, to my old favorite streaking at highly public events. Speaking of thumbs up, please go to iTunes and give the Foodcast the equivalent of a thumbs up. It's the easiest way to show your support. Finally, it isn't lost on me that that whole creepy clown phenomenon started to pick up when I began this show. I don't think it's because of the way I close, but I'm sorry if it is. All I really want is for you to remember what your old pal Bozo always says. What does your old pal Bozo always say? Just keep...